Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Colin Carter Podcast here in studio in Salt Lake City, Utah, bringing you the best up-to-date information on parenting, relationships, marriage, kids, dogs, who knows. Uh, so excited for you to join me today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, really excited about today's topic as we continue to share information about stuff that no one ever wants to talk about. My gosh, why don't we talk about this more? I've been getting so many messages uh, from parents and my favorite from the teenagers that have been messaging me saying that they're listening to the conversations I've been having with people uh, saying that it's been helping. So that's good. Uh, we need more information about this out and people talking about stuff. So thank you so much for joining uh, today's topic. Uh, it, I'm so pumped because it's something I talk a lot about, but I typically talk uh, more to the teenage age about this. Um, and uh, that is pornography. Um, the stuff uh, that we've been sharing lately on my Instagram at Colin Karchner um, and uh, through the podcast on pornography has uh, really struck a chord with a lot of people, a lot of teenagers messaging me saying that they've been struggling with it and they finally feel brave enough to go out and talk about it. And it's sad that we have to use the word brave. Like how, like it's sad to me when this is such a epidemic and it's touching so many people. Uh, and so many people struggling with it that we still have this culture where people have to have courage to talk about it. Uh, but I am grateful for the people that do have the courage to talk about it and the families that are having conversations. And so I'm really pumped about today because we're going to move on past teenage life with pornography and talk about it uh, when it enters into relationships and into marriage. Um, after I posted the uh uh, the porn poem, slam poem that Luke did, which was awesome. It racked up like 50,000 views in one day. He was super stoked about that. Uh, so many messages from uh, a lot of wives that, and some husbands that were messaging me, talking and telling me stories of, of just sadness about pornography and the marriage and how it uh, was such a struggle. And then a lot of times it actually dissolved the marriage, which is so sad for me to hear uh, that it's that it's destroying marriages when I feel like there's that shouldn't be the case. I know that it's case by case basis, but there needs to be a path to healing, and there needs to be more hope. And so I'm really happy to have two guests today who are way over there on the East Coast in North Carolina. I've got Jolene and Rob. Now, as a little backstory to them, Jolene reached out to me. She's a podcaster. She's a, a, a coach and helps women and spouses who have spouses that uh, have struggled with addiction and pornography to be able to um, work on themselves and to heal and to bring hope back into their lives and into their marriage. And so uh, I reached out to her and we talked and said, hey, why don't we have a really awesome conversation today? about pornography and, and the marriage and what her and her husband Rob did to be able to grow and overcome together and come out on top. And so joining me all the way across the pond, no, across the country in North Carolina, I've got Rob and Jolene. Guys, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having us. This is so exciting. Yay. Yep. So, so exciting. exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm so pumped. So Jolene, you do, you're a coach and Rob, you're a dentist. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I am a life coach. Yeah. And I, again, I work with women who have a spouse addicted to pornography and Rob is. I'm a dentist. I have yeah. three kids. Oh, you do. Oh, awesome. So, so while you're treating kids, like Jolene can sit with the moms and you could do therapy for the moms <laughs> and like, why you, like you could do help this. Everybody all around. <laughs> you could do this cool <laughs> dentistry and therapy.net. Right. <laughs> right exactly. You know what? People, people say things are going to change and adapt so much after COVID and after all this stuff. Like, who knows? That could be a whole business, you know? Uh, anyways, okay, so let's just go right into it. Uh, Jolene, let's just, I know you probably told the story, and Rob, uh, a bunch of times, but for my viewer, uh, viewers, my listeners, uh, dive into it and tell me your story. Absolutely. So Rob and I um, got married when I was 20. He was 21. And it was five or six years into our marriage. Yeah. Well, we have a pretty typical like Mormon story, we would call it. Like we met at BYU, um, dated for um, a while. I went on a mission. Uh, we wrote, we came back, we got married. And uh, so I think, you know, we kind of fall into some typical categories there. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. a dentist, but then... Go ahead, Joey. Right. Okay. So then it was about five or six years into our marriage. I We had at least two kids. I think I was pregnant with my third at the time. And he came to me one day and said, hey, um, I just want to let you know, I have secretly had an addiction to pornography since 
the first six months of being of our marriage and it's all good. I'm going to go to the bishop. I'm handling it. I'm taking care of it. I don't need to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) that's how that first conversation went. Sure. Yeah. And, and then it, so it took several years, several relapses, lots of therapy and thought work and all kinds of stuff to get to where we are now. But there was such a silence on my end that really, that I struggled with a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of whether or not he was acting on his addiction or not at the time, it was very difficult for me. He didn't want to talk about it, but he didn't want me to talk to anybody else about it. But he was seeing a therapist and talking to the bishop, but I wasn't. And I just felt very lost. So once we got through all of that, we really decided that it was our, I, I felt like it was my privilege and purpose to kind of go find all of the women who are in a similar situation. Yeah. So for my side of the story, it right at about six months into our marriage, um, and I'll even start just a little bit before that. Um, I was dealing with depression as part of my story. Okay. And the depression was ended up getting tied into the pornography aspect of it as well. Um, and really taking it in pornography is such a secret thing, yeah. right? That's, that's part of the, um, addiction of pornography even is there's just so much guilt and shame tied up around the addiction that we keep it so silent and we don't want other people to know about it. We don't want our spouse to know about it. We don't want to talk about it with people. And it's actually that guilt and that shame as part of that addiction that is holding it on even tighter. We think we think it would do the opposite. We think that by, you know, making ourselves feel like we're the worst thing in the world and beating ourselves up about it over and over again and feeling all that awful guilt, we're trying to do that to ourselves to to make us never have to have the addiction again. And and so we just pile on that guilt and shame. And I just did that for years and years and years. And, you know, brings on even more depression, even more um, pits and hells and deaths. And when we, by realizing just that we're holding on to it even more and by letting, moving through that guilt and moving through that shame and working to move through that and begin to talk about it is one of that first, by opening up is one of that first steps uh, towards, you know, truly moving in, moving through that addiction, moving past that addiction um, so uh, like I said, Jolene and I, we had that conversation and I said, Hey, I've, I've dealt with it. I'm good. You know, I, I had realized it was a problem a few years earlier. I had tried to work on it myself, um, felt like I was in a good spot with it. And so I, I went to her and said, I'm good. We're done. Don't talk to us about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and, and what it did is not only before, while I, while I was really into the pornography addiction, obviously there, it puts a barrier between you and any relationship, not just a spouse relationship, but that pornography puts a little wedge, little gap in between you and a relationship. Sure. And even afterwards, after talking about it, that gap remained, right? It didn't matter. It didn't matter if I stayed clean. It didn't matter if, you know, our relationship in other aspects, because we've always had a great relationship, a good friendship. Um, that wedge, that little gap was there. Yep. And I think that's really what we felt for, for many, many years, even if it was maybe better on the outside, there was still a lot to do and a lot to work on um, together and separately, really, mm-hmm. on the inside of it. 
So it's never one of those things where even if you do bring it up and you say, hey, this was a problem. This was a problem, by the way, and uh, everything's good now, though, so don't worry about it. It's kind of it's, – it's not one of those things you can just, just say that's like, you know, hey, I backed into the neighbor, but don't worry. I'll get the dent fixed. You're like, hey, well, right. go back just, let's put the bread in the oven, right? It, and, it, Colin, it took me many years to realize that what I thought was like kind of near the end of my story, it took me years to realize that was her beginning yeah. of dealing. That was her beginning beginning of trying to comprehend it, trying to understand it. Yeah. So Jolene, uh, take me back to when he did tell you. Let's talk about, you know, uh, obviously that's a flood of emotions. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what were you thinking? What were you going through? Um, I definitely felt, uh, I felt a little embarrassed um, for not guessing. Like I had no clue. There was never uh, an inclination or a guess, or I wonder what he's looking at. I mm-hmm. had no idea. So this was not something I suspected at all. And so I felt a little embarrassed that he'd been able to hide it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I also felt a lot of guilt myself. And this is something that um, wives do a lot is that I felt like it must be a little bit my fault. Like, oh, well, obviously that means something is wrong with me. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not enough for him as a wife. Because if I were, then this wouldn't be a problem. He wouldn't feel the need Mm -hmm. to go act on this and to view pornography if I were fulfilling for him as much as he needs, right? So all of that bubbled up. But then at the same time, I also understood it because being a human being in the world we live in right now, I have seen pornography. I have been exposed to pornography. We all have. If you haven't yet, you will. And so I understood it on an intellectual level. And that understanding helped me a lot in the initial steps of wanting to do something proactive, wanting to get him to go to therapy, to get him to go talk to the bishop, to get him to move forward in the healing process. But what I didn't understand was that by putting it all in that kind of intellectual box of, oh, I get it. I understand the physical responses. I understand the addiction part. By putting it all in that intellectual box, I was trying to avoid all of the deeper emotional stuff that was coming up. You thought you could just science it away, right? Science, yeah. science There's a neurological re- response yeah. and this is an, a, mm-hmm. a coping mechanism. And if I keep throwing science at my brain, then it will oversee or take over the emotional side that I'm trying to hide from the pain. Absolutely. And that, and that didn't work, obviously. No, it didn't. <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> it right? just keeps it buried oh, for a long time. If only. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's not until you actually, until it wasn't until I was actually able to go in and process all of the emotions that came up and learn how to handle them in a healthy way and learn how to do it correctly. That's when I was able to really move forward. But it took facing all of those really difficult emotions. And one of the things that was the hardest for me was this feeling of distrust. I obviously I had been lied to for many years of our marriage. And so I had a lot of thoughts and feelings of distrust mm-hmm. about our relationship. And that was something I didn't like having. I really struggled with that for years. I mean, he was clean or sober, whatever the word is, he was past it for a year or a year and a half. And I was still feeling distrust mm-hmm. toward him. And that really bothered me because I felt like as a wife, I shouldn't have that feeling, even though I knew that it was fine, despite all, you know, but again, it wasn't until I learned how to accept all of those emotions and work through them correctly that I was able to get to where we are now. Mm -hmm. And when you said, Jolene, when you said um, that you felt um, embarrassment or shame that uh, that the reason that Rob was uh, struggling with this is because you weren't providing a certain need. Rob, was that the Mm -hmm. case? Was that, was that, you sound like an awesome loving husband. Was that the case or, uh, because typically when I talk (laughs) to guys who are struggling, I'll throw that out there. You guys (laughs) typically when I talk, one of the most important messages that we can share to a spouse that is dealing with this is that it has nothing to do 
with the spouse. And it doesn't feel that way. And it doesn't seem that way when you're dealing with it in person, but it has nothing to do with the spouse. The pornography addiction is the addict's responsibility. It's the addict's um, own things that individually can be dealt with. And it has nothing to do with the other person. Loving marriage, loving relationship, intimacy in the bedroom and in life. And still it can be an issue. Um, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, and for me, you kind of referenced this a little bit by like throwing the science at it. But it was a symptom mm-hmm. of something else. It was a distraction of what I didn't want to deal with on my own mm-hmm. inside of myself. And did you find, did you figure that out through therapy or did you already kind of know, uh, while it was a problem? Oh my gosh. You know, you talk about this cycle where, uh, you feel bad be, and, and it triggers this emotion to go look at pornography and then you get the release and then you feel better, but then you feel bad again because you're in this cycle and it never kind of gets. Absolutely. When, yeah. That, that's what, what got you out of that? Was it therapy that got you out of that? Was it working and talking with your wife? Like uh, when, when you actually had that realization? So I, um, I would say I was in a complete addict behavior for three or four years. Um, what do you mean, what do you mean by that? Yeah. What, what do you mean by it, addict? Uh, hiding it, um, not admitting that it was an addiction, not wanting to, you know, like the, the very like pre, like you, d- you don't know, you don't admit it's an addiction. You hide it. You, your whole life revolves around it. You're always thinking of when you're going to go see it again. Yeah. Uh, like pure addict, uh, in it yeah. fully. And it's exact cycle you go through. I don't want to do this something triggers emotionally or, or whatever brings you to the pornography, you view it, there's the, you know, the release, and then you feel guilt, shame, um, all of it just pounds back on. So through those cycles for, you know, three or four years, when we had our first kid, that was what kind of like woke me up to say, I need to start working. I don't want my kid exposed to this. I need to start working on this. And so I personally worked to, and this is the hard way, okay, (laughs) (laughs) to try to do it by yourself, right? That's the hard way. It also doesn't work. Right. I'm going to fix this. this, That's my last, it's like any uh, addiction. That was my last time. That was it. That was it. I'm going to call turkey this, but that's (laughs) that's how the brain works. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. And so- I tried to do the hard way for a few years and I, and I did it very successfully. And in addiction terms, it's called white knuckling it. Yeah. Uh, you think of like just grasping your fist together and you know, like I'm just going to willpower this through. And so I had gotten to a point where I was able to stay clean or sober, um, avoid it, put up tons of fences in my life Mm -hmm. to guard against it. Right. Um, control behavior. And so I was at that point when I was able to come to Jolene and say, look, this isn't a problem anymore. I have this problem. I'm dealing with it. It's gone. Um, and then as Jolene referenced, it took a few more relapses. You know, I'd be okay for nine months. Sure. Something happened, a relapse would occur to realize where the help was needed. Um, for me, that healing came through um, my addiction to depression Mm. was stronger than my addiction to pornography. Um, and so going to work on depression for me taught me tools that to then apply them to the addiction. Now I want to say that before I went to a therapist, which I did, I went to a therapist, uh, we referred, I went a few times, um, before I went there and this is at the, this is the end of the story, right? When I finally went to talk to the therapist, I went for depression and we talked with some of the pornography through that as well. But I would have said that the addiction was its own thing. 
all that time. Yeah. I would have said, no, I'm just addicted to pornography. This is just an addiction I have. It's like, um, you didn't realize that that was the band aid that you were putting on a problem that you didn't really yes. want to face. Yeah. And if you would have told me that I would have been very resistant to yeah. hear that information at the time. I would have said, no, 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 this is separate from, I don't have depression. No way. I'm a, I'm a happy <laughs> guy. That's not, that's not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and whether it's depression or just that emotional burden that's being carried around, um, I, I take the analogy. I really like this analogy for myself. I don't know if it's helpful for other people, but if I was perfectly at peace inside of myself at all times, right? Just like meditating Buddha or like Nirvana <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. Like perfectly at peace. Would I need, would there be any desire or need to reach out for a stimulus outside of me, like pornography yeah. or addictive behavior? Right. And so it took me realizing that like if I, internally I was okay, then I wouldn't have that impulse, that push to seek out outside of me something to make me feel better inside of me. Yeah. So that's the work that I did. And um, it's a lot of work. It's an emotional journey to know yourself, to go through those emotions that you've ignored buried. Um, and it takes a lot of acceptance and it takes a lot of letting go of that guilt yeah. that's holding it on, letting go of that shame and being able to talk about it and to be able to understand yourself to a point where you understand what that trigger is. Yeah. And I don't know if this is, uh, appropriate for your audience. I probably won't go that far, but just to me, finally accepting that there was a part inside of myself that liked the addictive behavior. Yeah. Which is hard to do because you're saying to yourself, no, I don't want this. I hate this. I want this out of my life. Yeah. Guilt, shame, anger, like finding that part of myself that wanted that addiction was finally allowed me to look what was behind it, yeah. why I wanted it. And that takes tools and coaching and learning and, you know, getting inside of yourself. But that is what cleared it. And I'll share my own personal reason for the pornography addiction was a deep bone shaking loneliness that I was carrying around in my life hmm. that I could not feel. And when it finally came up to feel, it was such an emotion that just overpowered my whole soul even. Yeah. And so at this point in my life, if I feel that loneliness, I know exactly how to feel that loneliness and to sit with it and to be okay with it. Yeah. And it doesn't send me, to go look at an image or to go a different place. Now that's my side of the story, which isn't to me as like, that's, that's so important, but it's not as important as, as Jolene's side of the story to me. Yeah. Um, it is important though for, for the struggling. I mean, now we have, you know, there's been such a, a culture in our country with, Oh, this is just a guy thing, but we're looking now 90% plus of guys by adulthood or have struggled with it. 70 to 75% of girls and women uh, have struggled or will struggle with it. So this is, uh, this is hitting all over the gamut. Right. Uh, but, the, but yeah, there's a, it's important. I think for guys, especially for dads, husbands who are in loving relationships, who are trying the best they can be, and who have this little dark secret that they know is eating them up and they're afraid and worried to understand that um, you've got to face the cause, right? Yeah. Um, and and when, when, a, when a parent's like, oh, I just found out my son's 14, he's looking at porn and he's, you know, and he's struggling with, you know, masturbation, all that kind of stuff. You know, what a dumb kid. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, we, we do all this stuff right and we go to church and we do all these things. Like, and he's a good kid. Like, why is he struggling with this? Is understanding that there's, there's something inside. There's something going on. There's uh, a problem that he is using this to resolve because it's a quick fix. 
And so being able to figure out what that is, usually it does take a lot of therapy. Uh, but And uh, it's, it's partly built into our culture to shove those things away Yeah, and say, don't look at it, hide it, don't feel it. Um, Conceal, don't feel. I'm not sure who said that. Is. Someone Frozen <laughs> got so many great truths in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but our culture too, like we just don't allow the expression yeah. of a, of a child's emotion, even, you know, yeah. you, uh, your child's crying. Let me fix it. Let me distract you. Let me distract, distract. Don't feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't jo- feel, throw an iPhone in front of you. You're crying yeah. here. And, jo- right? and, and Jolene, when you come out and, and, and now you are in that position where you're now you're, you're looking at yourself and you're like, Oh my gosh, I am a wife of a, of a husband who has a porn addiction. I am that I'm that wife. Now it's hard mm-hmm. because you don't have a, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of people to talk to. About right. It because of the shame right. culture we have. Absolutely. So share, share a bit about that. Like, how did, how did you deal with this um, uh, as it first became aware to you? Um, I am blessed that I very naturally process emotions in a very healthy way. So I am very grateful that that is something that I just do naturally on my own. Why is she showing off right now? Geez, making us all feel bad. Oh my gosh. I'm just really good at handling emotions, which no human can do, but that's just me. (laughs) I'm a Taurus. I didn't know that at the time. It wasn't until I started learning more about processing emotions and I said, oh my goodness, I know how to do this, which is why I think is something that I'm able to be in a place right now where I can help other women do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, you're right. I wasn't talking to anybody. I think a lot of times women might find, you know, a best friend that they can find in. Um, but I think most of the time it is silent. I mean, he didn't want to talk about it, which I totally understood because yeah. I knew it brought up all of that shame and guilt. He was going to the Bishop, but I wasn't because it wasn't my addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to go to therapy because again, I think the thought is a lot of the times we just think that, okay, he has this problem. Let's get him the help that he needs. And then our lives will be better. Then I will feel better because it will go away. But that's not true. That's not the right way to process everything. So I was sending him to therapy, but I wasn't going to therapy. And it was, I think about 10 years before I told anybody about his addiction. I wanted him to be in a place where that was okay. Yeah. And the first person I told was my twin sister. Oh, wow. You know, 10 years later. And, but I, but I wanted to, um, you know, I appreciated how hard that was for him to even come tell me. And I knew what that would mean if I told someone else. So I felt very strongly about not breaking his confidence. Right. At the same time, it ate at me because I am a very, passionate person. (laughs) And I feel very strongly about that. The secret can become stronger than the problem. Yeah. And I think that with pornography addiction, I think many times that is the case that the secret of it becomes even more important than the problem itself. What do you mean by that? That a lot of times, especially in marriages too, it's just, it becomes more about okay, I want to make sure nobody knows and I don't want to talk about this and trying to keep that from your spouse. Like then you're not even talking to your spouse about it and you're not even addressing it within yourself. Trying to keep it silent is something that you're working on more than working on the problem. Yeah. It becomes almost like a... Not a second life, but almost where. There's, oh, for sure. And when you, and when Rob, when you were talking about, you were kind of almost find yourself addicted to the behavior of the addiction, right? It's kind of like with any addiction, uh, you know, gambling addicts aren't addicted to winning; they're addicted to the cycle of uh, of how their addiction makes them feel like crap, and then they get that one big win, and the rush of dopamine and the endorphins mm-hmm. and the feel good floods the brain. And that feels amazing. But then they go back to losing and they feel depressed. And and it's almost the whole cycle that you get addicted to 
of life is amazing and then I'm going to have stress out, triggered, fall back into my addiction and hide it. And then, you know, there's obviously there's obviously uh, emotions with the hiding and the thrill of the hiding. And am I going to get caught and all that kind of stuff, which you don't even realize is kind of part of the behavior that you're addicted to. Um, I don't know why I said that, but that's just me. Yeah, blo- me bloviating. There's, barely, there's a very <laughs> emotional component all behind it. And all those emotions that aren't being looked at are just running in the background yeah. and running the cycle over and over and over again. And it does take a lot to be able to step back and see that cycle pattern in your own self. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Jolene, how let, let's talk about what you guys did to uh, end up on top and how to conquer this together. So often uh, the first reaction from spouses when they find out or because either they caught their spouse or their spouse was brave mm-hmm. enough to tell them, uh, is we're done. This marriage is over. How dare you? And it's, you know, it's like the D word gets thrown around, but you guys, mm-hmm. have, you guys are a huge success story. So talk about what you guys did with your situation to come out. On I top. think the key to, um, us being successful is that we actually did it independently. Yes. Um, which is the key, which is what I really want to tell women. And it's not about your spouse getting the help he needs in order for you to feel better. You have to go on that own journey yourself. We, he started going to therapy and I pushed him to go to therapy. He said he was done and I told him he wasn't allowed to quit. So he kept going to therapy and he found, you know, mindfulness. And I had been introduced to life coaching and through podcasts. And I had started applying some of those and because they made sense to me. Again, it was something I did very naturally. And so learning more about it was very helpful. And I was able to start applying those myself Yep. And it, we did the same journey independently of one another. So we often try to fix the relationship by making it about the other person. Yep. Right? As soon as you're okay with this, then I'll be okay with this. As soon as you fix your problem, then I'll fix my problem. And this isn't just with pornography. This is like yeah. a very yeah. common way to yeah. relationship on anything, right? Like, well, I'll be nicer about this once you talk to me nicer about this. Um, and that never gets you a long lasting result in working on that relationship. The only thing that you can control is yourself in that relationship. Even though there's two people in that relationship, how you feel about that relationship is going to be separate than how that person feels about that relationship. But if you can work on how you are entering that relationship, how you come to that relationship, that will heal the relationship. That will change the relationship independent of the other person's action. Right. So he was going to therapy. Um, I found life coaching and all the tools that I teach now and doing that independent of one another, we kind of just led parallel healing journeys that as we healed individually helped us heal more together. But I could have healed or not healed and she could have healed or not healed Mm -hmm. and your individual healing can still occur. Now it doesn't sound because we feel like it's so attached to the addict's behavior. It can become where you are working together on the addiction, but working individually on your own self yeah. will change that relationship faster than any other way that we've seen or tried. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I bet Rob is, I mean, I can imagine as, as you see your own wife going through and saying, you know what, I'm going to be working on me and my emotions and handling coping and with this addiction. When you see her wanting to uh, get quote unquote help and to get uh, coaching and therapy on this while you're working. Is that, I mean, that's that, I, I think that would make you feel a whole lot better and give you a whole lot more hope than if she was like, you know, every time you come home from therapy, she's like, how was it? What'd you learn? Did you learn anything? You <laughs> what know did what I mean? Say? What did they say? Did you write down notes? Right. <laughs> and so I think that's, that's a huge point is that a lot of spouses need to realize that like, Hey, you got to make the decision. Like, is this marriage worth, 
you know, uh, worth fixing and worth healing. And if you're in a, and if you're in a relationship and you love your spouse and they tell you that they have this addiction and you want to be together, you've got to, you, you, you have to avoid that, you know, well, you go fix you and tell me how it goes. And I'm going to just sit here and, and be the ticked off, you know, spouse at you. I think Rob, did you, did you feel that Rob at all? Like seeing her working on herself, like, did that give you hope at all or? Absolutely. Um, it is the, the, when, when your spouse is putting all that pressure on you Mm -hmm. in a sense, what they're adding into it is more guilt and more shame. Yeah. Right. Which is part of what I already had. I had plenty of that guilt. I had plenty of that shame. Yeah. And when you try and go about fixing the problem with more guilt and more shame, it doesn't work. It creates uh-huh. more of the same <laughs> scenario, right? That's already the scenario I'm in. There's already, you already have, you're already feeling enough guilt and shame, like adding more right. to it is what so made adding you a little bit more just kind of keeps mm, pushing you. it. In. Yeah. But being able to just separate in a, in a breath yeah. and, and your action can be the same, right? You can talk to your spouse when they get home from therapy and say, how did it go? Yeah. You know, if but it comes off. Yeah. It comes across very differently, right? When it's, how did it go? And I care about you and I support you yeah. versus did you fix your problem yet? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Get jo- it together. Starts <laughs> with Do it together. individual, right? How long, uh, I mean, Jolene, now you coach people on this and we're, I want to talk about, you know, the steps that, uh, that women and men whose spouses are struggling with this, what you, what they should be doing. Uh, but how, how long of a process is this? A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, 12 steps would be about 12 weeks. And then this addiction that has been grained into your brain and rewired the brain is going to be gone forever. But I mean, <laughs> how long of a process should, should a, a couple uh, plan on? I mean, obviously it's, there's no set in stone, but this is something that's not going to take a few weeks to fix. No way. That's a great question, actually. So the, the way that I coach women, I, I have a nine week coaching program where in those nine weeks, I teach them the tools that they need to have in order to keep processing that throughout the rest of their life. Um, for us, I would say it, it took a good, like, I don't know, we're still kind of learning. Yeah. I mean, well, in a great space. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's, here's the thing though. It's, no, it's not going to heal in 12 weeks, right? right. No, it's not going to heal in nine weeks, yep. but it doesn't have to be a lifetime. Right. It doesn't have to be always. Yep. We're going to be dealing with this till the kids are grown <laughs> and then grandkids. <laughs> I'm going to be worrying. Yeah. Right. And that's something you hear though, too. It's like once an addict, always an addict. Like yeah. I, I wonder that I said, is this going to be my life forever? Am I always going to have to wonder what he's doing? Am I always going to have to try and arrange my life and my schedule and who I am around this addiction? And the answer is no. Um, Once I learned the tools that I needed and started applying them, I mean, it took me like six months to make huge drastic progress and changes. And I was like, all right, fool, get on it. Let's go. I want to tell everyone about it. Yeah. It took me about four to five months um, after getting into the right space of finding that source of the addiction. And once I had the source of the addiction, then knowing that that's where I can go instead of to the addictive behavior. And since that time, it's so, so no, it doesn't happen overnight. But once you're in the right space, the tools and the practices, it's like trying to cross the U.S. in a horse and buggy. And then all of a sudden, someone puts you on a rocket ship. You're like, that. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just is so much faster and, and move forward. I, I want to just jump on one, one or two points here. One is, if, this, if the relationship isn't worth saving, right? If there's way more going on than, yeah. than is saving, each individual still needs the same tools, techniques, and healing individually yeah even if a divorce right that spouse they're gonna just carry the problems into the next relationship of course if they the next relationship into the next moment of their life and so that healing can still happen even if the relationship is over is over yeah um or if the spouse is still addicted to pornography right 
and the relationship is worth saving, but he still can't find his source and his reason. But that spouse, it sounds impossible, but it's true. That spouse can find the healing. Yeah. Well, Jolene, talk about, so let's, 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 let's talk to the listener now, the, uh, the spouse, <laughs> let's say, uh, you know, we've got a lady listening who, uh, has just figured this out, just found out either because she caught her spouse or he told her, uh, mm-hmm. how, what's the, what's the, what's the proper way to react like this? Obviously that's, I'm being tongue in cheek cause there's no proper way, but, uh, what's your advice for the woman who's just, or the man who has just found out their spouse has been dealing my, with this? My advice is not to be silent. I was silent. And I think that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> not that you need to tell the whole world or put it on Instagram, but there are three people that I think you need to talk to when this happens. One is your spouse. And I know that that can be hard. And I know it brings up a lot of unpleasant emotions and it's a lot of hard conversations, but you need to be talking to your spouse about it. The second person you need to talk to is a professional, whether that is a life coach, a therapist, whoever it is, you need to get some professional help. And, and, and can we just say this too? I mean, for those who are uh, in church or not in church, uh, church leaders aren't therapists. You know what I no. mean? They're not therapists. No, they're not. Uh, they no. read a book you, or a pamphlet. Don't think that that's therapy. No, no, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. I, if you want to go talk to your bishop with things about like forgiveness, sure. Like if you need, if you need help with, right, there's, a there's a spiritual aspect, aspect of, yeah. life, of, of, of that and the... that's totally fine. But I'm, when I say professional help, I don't mean so a, a church, church leader. Yeah. Or any church leader, any, any kind of church evangel, evangelical. So spouse and and then professional and then, and number three, who was number three? Yeah. Number three is I really, I would advise, um, telling a best friend, like get, pick one confidant, whether that is your best friend or your sister, or if your brother is the one you're closest to. And you can tell, I would, I would talk to your spouse about it first, but I think it's important for the, the, the spouse, meaning the addict, excuse me, the husband or whether it's the husband or the wife, um, whoever is addicted, I think it's important for them to know that their spouse needs someone to talk to. Yeah. Um, so those are the three people I would say is to talk to is your spouse, a professional, and then one confidant. Okay. Do you, do you suggest like splitting up and having him sleep in a hotel while this is happening? You uh, know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very personal, that this is something I talk a lot with my clients about because as a wife, I think we have, they have a lot of, oh, well, shouldn't I behave this way? My husband just told me this. I think I'm supposed to kick him out yeah. or I think I'm supposed to make him sleep on the couch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, it's different for every individual person, but my biggest piece of advice before anybody takes any action is to, to really understand, look at yourself and figure out why you want that action to happen. Why do you want him to go sleep in a hotel? I don't think that that solves anything. Most of the time it's just because, well, I'm upset. And every time I look at him, I get angry. Yeah. Right. But you can just be angry and that's totally fine. And he can still be there. Well, and it, it's, it's not right or wrong. No, it's not. It's just either way, different but it's knowing person. what your emotional reason is behind it. Yeah. And if you want that outcome. Right. Yeah. Jolene, should, Jolene, should a spouse look at this as like straight up infidelity? Should they handle it that same way as if he physically or she physically cheated on me with someone in the flesh when it's a pornography thing? That's a great question. And I would say no. And here's the reason why I did this myself. This was my own journey that I went through. I felt um, one of the feelings, the emotions that I kept feeling when I would think about his addiction is that I felt cheated and I couldn't figure out why I was like, okay, he didn't actually physically cheat on me. There was no infidelity. Why do I feel this way? And then years down the road, I came across this term virtual affair. And when I heard that, I said, yes, that is how that's totally accurate. It validates everything I'm feeling. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed feeling validated. I enjoyed feeling like 
I had the right to feel this way. And this was not that long ago. And so Rob and I were in a place where I came and I told him that I said, I came across this term. I think it totally applies because this is how I feel when you, when I think about your addiction and he was really wonderful. And he said, Jolene, I want you to be careful about using that term because I didn't have an affair virtual or otherwise. And so thinking that way can be a little dangerous. And of course, in my mind, I was like, excuse me, you don't get to tell me what to think and you don't get to tell me how to feel and you don't get to tell me all these things. Like, you don't even know, boy, like you need to back up, you know? Yeah. But I didn't. And I gave it a few days and it was very powerful because I realized that that was right. Yeah. Using the word virtual affair was placing a lot more drama yeah. on what and weight on the story that I was telling myself of what had happened. And it was making it even bigger than it was. Yeah. Rob, did you not, feel, Rob, did you, when not you, that what, it's not a big thing, when, but, but to, yeah. Did you feel like yeah. it was an affair, Rob? I mean, when uh, looking at porn for a quick release to put a bandaid on the issue, was that a feeling you felt like, oh my gosh, I am literally cheating on my wife right now? No, I never felt that. Not yeah. that someone couldn't feel that yeah. um, through that process and not that that, it, it is other people's situations, but in my situation, that that was not um, my case. I th- and I think, and I'm only saying that because I think that if, if a lot of spouses realized uh, that for many people struggling with this that I've talked to, um, it is not a, you know, you throw that a word where, you know, a, a, a cheat on me with uh, this or with a porn website or whatever it was that I don't think most of the addicts, uh, most of the people who are struggling with this looking at are feeling like, oh my gosh, I am literally cheating on my spouse right now. Uh, Looking at more of a what? Like, I just, I feel like crap. I want to feel better. Uh, I don't smoke weed. I don't snort cocaine. I don't drink. And so I need to find a way to feel better. I don't have a Tesla. I can go zero to 60 in 2.3 and get a quick rush. And so I do this instead. Uh, Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. I think so many addicts, would be so grateful if someone could just come in and take it away from them oh, yeah. so that they could be healed and just have that relationship back as it was before or before or was it was. I think so many are just, That's a good point. just don't know how. Yeah. Okay. So Jolene, the first things uh, talk to uh, most important, there is no proper way to react to this. Right. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on, obviously, a lot of first reactions whenever you find out someone you love is messed up and anyway is anger and screaming and yelling. Talk about what that could do. Okay. So one of the things, that's that's usually what we do when we are reacting to whatever emotion we feel, right? You know, he tells you, you feel angry, you yell because that's your instinct. That's your immediate response. There's nothing wrong with that, except that it doesn't typically produce anything helpful. (laughs) So one of the things that I would say is the best thing you can do when you find out is to just give yourself a minute. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a drive by yourself or just going and locking yourself in a closet. (laughs) Like give yourself a minute to process it, to understand what's happening, to comprehend it and know that you don't have to make any decisions immediately. And I think that that's something wives tend to do a lot too is, oh my gosh, he just told me this terrible thing. Well, you know, you should sleep somewhere else or kick him out or have some kind of consequence, right? But that's not necessarily the best thing for you or for him or for your marriage in general. So I would be cautious about making any decisions right away. Yeah. Yeah. Did that answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're not so, so, uh, the reaction again, there's no perfect way to react, but there's, there's certain things that probably will happen if you overreact, which isn't what you're going to want or they're going to want right. or is best for the family. But I do want to go into after that. So after, after someone, uh, in your situation has then talked to the spouse and has set up a counseling or therapy and has confided in a confident, what's next? Go on Instagram and tell the whole world about this problem, right? That's usually step Go on Paul Karchner's podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, the, That's the next step. Oh, I always have these such mixed feelings when I see people going up there and just just telling the entire world, like right after they find out, right after it happens. I mean, I get what I, I love and I totally get, and I so appreciate people that have been through the therapy, been through the healing, and now they're like, okay, we're, we want to tell our story because we want to fix and we want to help others. 
And, you know, we're so far down this road. We've gone through the steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I see people, it's like, oh, I just found out my husband. He just told me two weeks ago and, and he said he's getting therapy. And now I want to share about how, you know, angry and ticked off I am about this <laughs> to the whole 30,000 people I don't know. Right. Right. Um, now you handle it. You do you girl and boy, whoever does it that way. But what, 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 what do you, what's the next step after this? I mean, are, the, are those the three, that's it? I mean, is there any other tips or steps uh, through this process that, that you teach your uh, clients about uh, that, that work really well? Um, I would say that the key is, is being humble enough to mm-hmm. recognize that you're it's going to take some time and you're going to have to look at yourself too. I mean, again, I think that's one of the things that Rob and I talk about so much is that it's an individual journey. There were so many things that I didn't even recognize I had issues with that I thought were because of his pornography addiction that were all about my own stuff. Yeah. Right. They were just like, his addiction was just an outlet. It was just an an excuse. It was a very convenient um, thing for me to lay all the blame on. I got this face tattoo because of you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like it was this really convenient blame. It's always easier to point at someone else than see where you are coming from. Right. So being willing, I think you have to, you have to understand that it's going to be a little bit of a journey and a little bit of a process and you, need to be humble enough and not judgmental of yourself because it's very tempting, not only as the addict, but as the spouse to judge yourself for your behavior. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have trusted him. I should have seen this coming. I should have acted differently. Whatever the case may be, there's a lot of things you think you should be thinking or feeling or not thinking or feeling. And you have to be able to just look at yourself and say, it's okay. I had to look at myself and say, it's all right that I feel cheated. That's okay. I'm willing to accept that that's the way that I feel. Whether or not that's right or wrong is irrelevant. It just is. And so I have to look at that objectively and say, that's fine. And keep processing that every time it comes up every day. Yeah. Rob, uh, what is your advice to the spouses, the husbands, let's say, that are struggling with this addiction, uh, hiding it in secrecy, and uh, you know want to break the habit and want to get, quote, sober and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I've had, when I started sh- uh, talking a lot about pornography, I had a lot of moms or, and wives specifically. Again, this is not gender bias at all, but uh, typically I get a lot of wives that, and moms that message me that were saying, oh, my husband was struggling with this and it was going to destroy our marriage, but then we did this, this, we did therapy. And then things like, you know, uh, I I took his smartphone and we locked it down, so all I can do is call and text, and I have the passcode on screen time mm. so he can't download the apps that would then tri- make it easy to trigger. Or it was, I got him a flip phone, or it was like, you know, I think we need to understand that this is really hard and, and, and no one leaves rehab for heroin addiction and then goes out and then puts a syringe full of heroin in their pocket. Right. Uh, so what are, what are some of the things, uh, tips, advice that you have for, uh, a spouse that's struggling with a pornography addiction or, or a big struggle to be able to, besides therapy, to make it so it's not so tempting to go back. So I'll just, I think any fence that you can put up around it is okay in that if if that's going to be a positive for you yeah. and a positive for the spouse to put those fences up and when for me personally and it took some time yeah to get to healing, which is a word I don't try to use lightly. Sure. I'm not talking about white knuckling or yeah. having it in the back of my mind. But to get to that point, someone could come up to me and throw it in my face, which that's honestly what is done nowadays. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Yeah. What are you trying? Yeah. And I would be, all right, that's pornography. Okay. 
and move on with my day. There we go. It really isn't when there's when when the source of it the addiction's the symptom, right? Yeah. That's just the outside. When the source of it is really worked on, really taken in. There's not a fence that really is needed. Yeah. Because and, and so, so I, I don't want to say that don't use fences. It's smart, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not the end goal though, is to say, oh, I can hand I can manage this as long oh, as man. you have all you put me in this little corral with fences around me. Yeah. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. Yeah. And you can work towards that to get it to a place where maybe if you get it into a corral mode, then maybe you can take now move forward, but don't stop there. Don't stop in corral mode. Keep working, keep moving forward because the journey is worth it. Yeah. That exploration is worth it because at the end of it, you move through it and pass it and free. Yeah. And there are during that corral mode, I couldn't even think about the past without it coming up. Sure. And when it's cleared, when it's inside of you gone, it's almost like a foggy memory or a dream, yeah. like a long ago story. Mm-hmm. It's not who I am anymore. I became a different person. I became a new person. Um, and that's not, a. am not trying to say that in a religious way. I'm, I'm saying that through sure. a process of healing. Um, and so looking at the past, it's almost like that was just something completely separate. Um, so I didn't answer your question really. <laughs> no, you did. Totally. And I'm so glad that you said it that way because whenever I hear those messages, well, I took his phone and I took this and I took this. I'm like, all right, well to an addict, the fences, that's just, a, they're pretty easy to climb over or yeah, pretty yeah. easy to squeeze Anything through. And, and, an, and an addict will lose weight to squeeze through the fence if they have to. Yes. So, yes. so you're saying that with these proper steps, that it it becomes where you have changed as a person, you've rewired yourself emotionally and neurologically and all those things. Once you finally face the demons that what you are throwing that band-aid on, that the desire just goes, right? And yeah. and Jolene, where was where was where were you? What was the first really big moment of hope that you felt? Like at what point in this process were you like like, oh my gosh, we're doing this and it's happening and and this is going to get amazing and it's going to be just this foggy dream for both of us. Like, where, <laughs> what, what, what was that point for you? Um, you know, I actually thought that from the beginning. Cool. One of my very first thoughts, you asked me what, was, what did I feel when he first told me? And I had all of the emotions that I already described, but one of them was one of the thoughts that I kept having was we can handle this. Yeah. I just knew him. I knew me and I, and I knew God and I, and I just thought, yeah. you know, we, we got this. Do you think that would and have been so, different? I hate to cut you off, but do you think your response yeah. would have been different if you would have caught your spouse in this addiction versus him coming to you saying, Hey, by the way, I dealt with this and I'm working on it. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Do you think it would have changed at all? It could have for sure. Maybe initially it might've changed my initial response. Um, but that feeling of we can handle this was not based off of his actions. Yeah. It was based off of knowing him as a person, who he is, who I am, and how we are together. And I don't know. Maybe that was naive of me to no, have that hope from think, day one. But I but I did. I had that. And so just the longer we I, I think stuck that with it, could the more I think I that knew. came from her. Yeah. I think that came from her being in I that place. Because um, I think even if she had caught me um, at a different time, I think she she was that type of person that she's going to get to that place. Um, And that isn't something that um, is dependent on the circumstance. Um, That's dependent on the individual person. And that's the type of work we're talking about is to be able to be in different circumstances or be in the same circumstance or be in a worse circumstance, but come at it with a whole different approach yeah. in order to find healing, in order right. to help the situation. Right. And I do think, here's one thing that I think we focus on a lot, and I think it's incorrect, 
is that when you look at your marriage and you have a spouse that's addicted, all you want to do is you're like, well, I just want it to go away so we can go back to mm. the way we were. But that never works. There yep. is no going back. Shouldn't be there the goal. Only, there's only moving forward. Yep. And the only way to move forward is to move through the addiction. And it sounds scary because you don't know what's on the other side. But the beautiful part about it is that because it's the future, you can create it and you can make that whatever you want. So you can make your marriage whatever you want and you can make your personal future whatever you want it to be. If you sweep it under the rug and bury it, it stays in the relationship. When you address it, move through it, work on it that's when you can move through it and go forward into a new relationship. Yeah. It's not going to be your old relationship. Yeah. You're not going to be your old self. You don't want to go back to Colin Karchner at middle school, in high school, no right? Like, that was great. <laughs> Glory <Nope>. days. <laughs> so why, why do we think that we have to go back to the first years of our marriage or the first um, time of our relationship? That's yeah. not where you, it, it, right? There's a lot of positives from that experience. Wonderful, but there's so much more forward. Yeah. And that's just a complete... Uh, that's a practice to to focus on that forward thinking, that mind shift. But yeah, Jolene, what made you? Uh, we'll wrap up here in a minute. But what what made you want to go out and help other women specifically that uh, are going through this too? Um, I feel again. I'm just a passionate person. When I feel things strongly, I I do it. I go for it, and it just fills me with fire. Like I just, I know that this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. I am, I know that this is part of the reason this is something I can do because of what I went through. This is something I can create because of what I went through. And once I found about life coaching, I just felt, and I learned all these tools. I felt an obligation to these women to help them in a way that I didn't have help. I just, I feel a connection with these women who are so silent and struggling. And I just know that I can help them. Can you just say that crazy thing you sometimes say? What do I say? About the addiction. About that you are great. Oh, I am. Okay. I was like, I say lots of crazy (laughs) (laughs) Hard to know which one he's talking about. But I am, I am at a point now that I am grateful for his pornography addiction. And I know that that sounds crazy, but I, I am, I'm grateful for every step of it. Every emotional day, every time I was crying on the bathroom floor, every time I wondered what he was looking at, every time I felt disconnected from him, every time I broke down, I feel grateful for all of it because it led us to where we are now. It led me to where I am now and where I am now is in a place where I can help other women who are in the same place I used to be. Amazing. And Rob, your, your thoughts, final thoughts to the husbands. Now, obviously this, this worked a lot in the part, uh, a lot of the reason why this works is because you were so open and willing to talk about it. And I know that's probably the hardest part for so many, especially spouses, they're males that are dealing with this addiction and this struggle is not wanting to talk about it. So what do you say to the spouse who is struggling with this and their wife has caught them or they found out now they're, you know, now it's on the table and he's just avoid, avoid, avoid. And that's obviously not going to work. What is your, what is your advice for them? It took me years to build up whatever emotion I needed to tell Jolene years. I had, it was, and I wish I would have done it years earlier because there's no, it doesn't change by staying the same. It just keeps going. But when you take the step to say it out loud, it is the first step. It's a first step to healing. And, and there are consequences, right? It's probably not going to feel great to say that first step or maybe it, it, you know, but it's still the first step to healing. Um, and so I just, if I could go back and talk to myself, yeah, I would say, Hey, week one, go tell your spouse about it. Month one, year one, year three, year four, at any of those points. Yeah. Um, because now I see that without that, it doesn't move forward. Yeah. It's scary. And there's, there's that fear 
that what could this lead to? I mean, obviously the biggest fear is it leading to uh, separation and a dissolving mm-hmm. of the family. I mean, there's a lot of scary things uh, that make people not want to talk about it. So I think that if we as, as a society can just all realize that none of us are perfect and that life is a, as a journey, we're here to learn and grow. And, and look what this did. Look what this, this problem, quote unquote problem, uh, which has ruined and destroyed. I mean, I, the words I was getting from some uh, women especially was uh, it ruined, it destroyed our marriage, it destroyed mm-hmm. our family. And I mm-hmm. hear your story and I'm like, there is so, if, if it's just handled and done the right way, now obviously every story is different. And a lot of times when the, sp- uh, the, the spouse that's struggling doesn't want to get help and doesn't, I mean, there's nothing she can or he can do. Right, uh, right, but it doesn't have to be destroyed because of that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and she can come out stronger. I mean, it's so hard. Like I'm, I turn, uh, I'm almost 40 and like my wife's friends, like some of the friends are already on like marriage three by now. And it's like marriage mm-hmm. one ended because of something like this. And then, you know, a friend, uh, neither went and got help, neither fixed quote, went to right. therapy fixed. And, and, and then it just happens again and it happens again. And it just, this is something that can be addressed and there is hope. Uh, but uh, the, there are steps that need to take and it's going to be a process. But if you love each other, like what, what worthier of a battle, right, to Absolutely. fight than this together? What, 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 if there's a worthier battle to fight than your, spou- than your relationship with your spouse or your partner and your family, your kids, like I, I don't know what it is. So uh, I am so grateful you guys came on. Jolene, how do we find out more information about your coaching? If there's someone listening, uh, female, male, does not matter, that would like to talk to you personally, privately, what, what, what do they do? Absolutely. Um, you can go to JoleneWin.com and that's J-O-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-N. I also have a podcast. It's called the Porn Addict's Wife Podcast and you can awesome. go to that iTunes. And I have a blog and it's called thepornaddictswife.com. And that's where I share a whole bunch of resources and tips and all the information on my program is on my website and there's just so much that I can share. I love to talk. So <laughs> awesome. And and thank you for Yeah, thank you guys so much. And Rob, if the if my kid needs a, a tooth fixed, we can go to your <laughs> website. I'm just kidding. Yeah, fly <laughs> we, him out here. Fly him out there. It. We'll get a get a little baby tooth fixed. Uh thank yeah. you guys so much. I'm gonna play some music out. Uh, thank you so much for joining today. Uh, what a great uh, topic. I know it's such a, a, a subject that needs to be talked about more. And I'm so grateful uh, for Jolene and Rob to come on and be so open sharing this message with everyone. Uh, to find out more information about what I'm doing, go follow me at Colin Carter on Instagram or savethekids.us. Uh, go give your kids an A-second hug. We'll see you next time. <laughs>